0: Searching for something extreme? Check out skating, snowboarding, and more on Fuel TV Plus, the global home of action sports. And find crowd-pleasing bops on iHeartRadio's Hit Nation playlist. There's new free shows and movies to love every week. Say free this week in your Xfinity voice remote. This is the Pittsburgh CityCast with Tim Benz, presented by Bet Rivers.
1: Tristan Jari has a lower body injury and is week-to-week for the Penguins. To me, that translates to the Penguins being week-to-week in the playoffs themselves, as in probably two weeks the first round, if they're able to last that long, if they're lucky. Tim Benz here. This is the Pittsburgh CityCast, brought to you by Bet Rivers. Download the app today or go to BetRivers.com. How about this number, if you're gambling on hockey or thinking about it, from VEASAN. Favorites in the NHL went 14-0 Saturday, and had another dice day stay on Sunday as well, going six and zero as the Sabers won ostensibly as a pick'em, a slight favorite in some places against the Flyers. There have been a lot of big favorite prices of late in the regular season as it winds down. The playoff chase is on in the Western Conference. The Eastern Conference is more or less sewn up with just seating to be decided. There are six games on the board tonight. Three big favorites: Flames, Golden Knights, and Hurricanes and two competitive lines with the Sens and Kraken, Stars and Canucks. Then there's the Colorado-Washington game with Avs at minus 200. The over-under is at seven goals there. Haven't seen too many of those so far this season. If you want to try to hit the over on that one, it does pay out plus money at plus 117. Colorado is second in the NHL in goals per game at 3.87. The Caps are eighth at 3.87. 4-0. 4-0. However, both are in the top 15 in goals against two. Colorado 7th at 2.73 in the Caps, 15th at 2.95, so keep that in mind. If you go Flames, Golden Knights, and Hurricanes on that three-team parlay, it goes off at a plus 123. I like that one and may play it myself. Pirates today, baseball, they're on the road against the Brewers. 740, Buckos at plus 145 on the money line or minus 155 getting a run and a half. May not be bad value to play the Pirates while they're playing decent above 500, 5-4. Five the over-under is 8.5. Might want to go under here. The Brewers aren't scoring very much. Just 31 runs. Fewest in the NL besides the Diamondbacks at 21. If you are thinking what I'm thinking, Andrew McCutcheon is plus 600 to Homer against the Bucks tonight. Maybe not a bad idea there karma-wise, right? And the USFL, the Maulers game, got delayed until tonight because of bad weather in Birmingham. They're playing Tampa, who's deemed to be the favorites in the league. Tampa Todd versus the Maulers. Bandits are five-and-a-half-point favorites. Maulers getting points against Todd Haley. How could I lay off that? Bring the hammer down, Maulers. Give me those five-and-a-half, baby. I am in. And I will be keeping an eye on USFL Spring football action. Why not? I can't expect the Pirates to stay competitive for much longer, nor can I expect the Penguins to stay in the playoffs very long. And let's get back to that because I do want to investigate some more hockey, specifically the Penguins, and specifically their state of affairs given the absence of Tristan Jari. Somehow they are plus 2,000 still to win the cup, and I can't believe those odds haven't sunk yet given Jari's injury. Other playoff teams like the Bruins, Blues, and Caps are all behind the Pens on the odds board, and I'd pick any of them before the Penguins right now with Casey DeSmith in goal. Jari is eighth in the NHL in both goals against average at 2.42 and save percentage at 9.19. Only three goalies in the league have more shutouts, four, and Jari ranks tied for fifth in games played with 58 and fourth in shots faced with 1,711. He's been very good for most of the season, despite the personal five-game losing streak that he just snapped against the Islanders before getting hurt. A game that was 4-1 well into the third until Anders Lee crashed into the net on what became a goal. Lee got clipped by Chad Ruedel and slid into Jari. Jari took a minute to get up and didn't look 100%, but stayed in the contest. Now, Jari might be fine for the playoffs if we're being literal with the week-to-week definition put forth by Mike Sullivan. Then again, maybe not. This might be nothing or it could be significant. We don't know. It's entirely possible that over the last six games, Casey DeSmith was going to see two or three anyway. Now we'll see if he gets all of them. But it's definitely something to monitor because in a weird way, many Penguins fans have been saying for a lot of the season, we don't have a lot of faith. Any Penguins postseason run because we don't think Jari is all that good anyway in the playoffs. Well, now you wonder what life might be like without him, and suddenly the hill looks a lot taller to climb, doesn't it? Casey DeSmith is a decent backup. That's it. But against, in all likelihood, the Rangers, Hurricanes, or Panthers, he's going to be exposed, and I think it'd be a short series. DeSmith is listed, and perhaps generously, at 6 foot 181 pounds. DeSmith has started 20 games. He's 8 5 5. His goals against is 2.89. That will put him at 29th in the league among qualified starters. And his save percentage is 907. That hasn't been a tie for 49th. On Saturday, DeSmith and the Penguins lost the Boston Bruins 2 1. He allowed two goals in the first 2 01. In both cases, he allowed a lot of empty net on rebound chances after making initial saves. From there, though, he stopped 27 shots in a row to close out the game. Unfortunately for the Penguins, they only scored one goal themselves. So it's not just goaltending that's falling into question. They have now lost nine times in their last 13 outings, and their last win against one of the eight Eastern Conference teams to qualify for the playoffs occurred back on March 13th against the Carolina Hurricanes. Since then, they've dropped five such contests in a row. Now, I had been of the opinion that who the Penguins play is, between likely the Panthers, Rangers, and Hurricanes, that doesn't matter because they'd be an underdog against whoever they play anyway. I don't think that way anymore. If they finish eighth behind the Bruins and Caps and have to play the Panthers with the Smith in net, they'll get swept, period. Florida's won 10 in a row. That's a bloodbath. Maybe they could pull off a miracle against Carolina or New York, though. I wouldn't count on it, but maybe they could. Not against Florida. Even worse, if the Pens do go one and done without Jari between the pipes, and he doesn't get to play in the playoffs at all in this season, all that means is that the questions and concerns about Jari as a playoff goaltender, they're just going to be extended into next year. If he has a third straight all-star campaign in a row, it won't matter because everybody in Pittsburgh will be saying, yeah, but what about the playoffs? We still don't know about Jari in the playoffs. And frankly... If Latang, Rust, and Malkin are all gone, maybe it's a moot point because they aren't in the playoff chase. That's a distinct possibility. You can tweet me, as always, at Tim Benz, PGH. Meanwhile, an interesting story from Jerry Dulac in the Post-Gazette on Friday about how the Steelers are thinking in the wake of the tragic death of Dwayne Haskins. In Dulac's words, he says the Steelers will have to add two more quarterbacks before training camp. The likelihood one will be a drafted rookie. The other will be a veteran free agent. That's also due to the fact that in an incredibly unforeseeable turn of offense, Josh Dobbs signed with the Browns just a day before Haskins died. And when Jerry says have to in this regard when it comes to having four arms in camp, let's not be literal about that. They don't have to. It's just practical to have the fourth arm in camp because there's more players to throw to, more drills to be run, more pass catchers to get an eye on. Guys, to take reps and series off, etc. But to that point, if the fourth arm—remember, a fourth arm—what are we talking about here? Uh, why is it necessary to get a veteran instead of Duck Hodges 2.0, especially a veteran like the one of the five that Jerry mentions as a potential candidate? Specifically, Cam Newton. Throw Ryan Fitzpatrick in there too. Here are the five names they put forth: Newton, Fitzpatrick, Mike Lennon, Josh Rosen, and AJ McCarron. To me. The only name of that bunch that makes sense is Rosen. Maybe McCarron. McCarron can be a third guy. But Rosen, even though he's the least accomplished of that group, essentially he has a very similar pedigree to Haskins. A high draft choice. It didn't work out with his original team. He could be a reclamation project for a similar amount of money. Kind of a high ceiling potential home run acquisition without much risk the same way The Steelers were looking at Haskins when they brought him on board before last season. But again, this just speaks to my argument about the Steelers' strategy of throwing numbers at the quarterback position. That works along the O-line, the D-line, the secondary. But there's only one quarterback, only two barely practice, especially now with Roethlisberger gone. You know, you're able to work in extra practice time because you always knew that up until Thursday, maybe Ben wasn't going to practice. And more depth is always great unless it's sometimes at quarterback because you are constantly second-guessing any time something goes wrong in the inherent nature of the pressure of the position and what quarterback controversies do to locker room and coaching staffs. That's an entirely different dynamic. Numbers means depth at linebacker, secondary, outside linebacker, uh, defensive line, offensive tackle. But at quarterback, it could lead to more problems than it's worth. I mean, there is an entirely different dynamic of bringing Cam Newton or Ryan Fitzpatrick on board as the third or fourth QB than there is bringing Dobbs in, as they have in the years past, or Bailey Zappi or the kid from South Dakota or something like that. Like, for instance, here's an example of where it might make sense. Here's where it might make sense, okay? First of all, I'd never make a move before the draft. This decision is something, in my eyes, you don't do until you get through the draft and then make a decision because... If the makeup of your QB that you draft or just sign as an unrestricted free agent after the draft, to me, that dictates who you get as your third quarterback and what level of repute he has. Let's say, for instance, the Steelers don't draft a quarterback in the first two days. Not Willis, not Pickett, not Howell or Ritter. If they just draft or sign a third-day guy, essentially that person is the camp arm that can get squirreled on the practice squad or on the emergency line if someone gets hurt, fine. He's your Josh Dobbs. He's your forever Brian St. Pierre. He's your Duck 2.0. Then you bring in whoever, Newton, Fitzpatrick, McCarron, and then you decide if you want to keep that guy or Rudolph or both. Maybe trade Rudolph for a pick next year, and then your emergency line guy becomes the third guy, the veteran becomes the second guy, and that person's backing up. Mitch Trubisky, but if they draft an honest-to-God future QB like Willis or Pickett or Corral or Howell or um, Ritter in round one or two, why bother with the redundancy of a veteran like that, let alone whatever minimal excess cost that might exist to get them on the books? Because at that point, Trubisky is the starter, Rudolph is the backup, and the draft pick QB is the sit-and-watch quarterback guy, right, the third guy. Well, until Trubisky turns out to stink, and then whenever everybody calls for him to be benched, you go to the rookie and skip over Rudolph, and that will happen, by the way, unless the first-rounder is so far behind the curve they can't play him, and Rudolph is then a second guy in name only and really a third. And as the camp third-arm guy goes, who cares? Find some other rookie or USFL cast-off or Paxton Lynch or bring back Duck or whatever. But if you have... Like Orion Fitzpatrick or Cam Newton, you think they're going to be satisfied signing a deal to be an honest-to-God third guy? No, of course not. All these moves feel like they're neutering the Mitch Trubisky signing, or at the very least, going against sort of what I thought was supposed to be a positive about the Trubisky signing, which is the alleged upside angle. In other words, you've got him for two years— You're supposed to be able to tap what the Bears couldn't. And now if they go out and get a Fitzpatrick or Newton type, it's almost like you're guarding against your own buyer's remorse in advance. You know, it's like hearing this from Dulac is suggesting to me that the Steelers are so burned by what happened in 2019 when they wound up with just Mason, Rudolph, and Duck that they're paranoid about it and they're going to leave themselves as many options as possible. But when you have too many options, you know what you have? 1985, when it was Scott Campbell and Mark Malone and David Woodley, and it just became a mess. Or Cordell Tomczak and Jim Miller, for instance. The Steelers really don't need to do that to themselves. The game plan should be simple at this point at quarterback. You go with Trubisky as your starter. You have Mason Rudolph as the backup. If you don't take a day one quarterback, you just get a camp arm, and then for a fourth quarterback, you know what else you get? Another camp arm. Or if you want to go the rosen McCarran route, I suppose that's fine too. And then you determine from there who stays and who goes. I mean, The best value you're going to get from Rudolph in the trademark at night right now is what, like a sixth round pick? So, I don't know, just don't overthink it. Steelers, don't paint yourself into a corner and create a quarterback controversy when none needs to happen between a bunch of guys who might not be all that good anyway. Especially if truly, truly, and this is where I caution why I don't necessarily believe all of this stuff about Mitch Trubisky, if you really do want to cultivate him for the future, you stunt that growth by creating as much competition for him as possible and giving him less room to breathe with any mistake that you might have. Ryan Fitzpatrick or Cam Newton sitting behind him along with Rudolph and maybe a first-round pick, that does nothing to allow him to spread his wings as the... Alleged leader of this team and of this locker room. All right. Steelers, by the way, on the futures at plus 7,000 still to win the Super Bowl with the Washington Commanders. Very few teams behind them uh, of any sort of repute whatsoever. Uh, The Bears, the Panthers, the Jaguars, the Giants, the Seahawks, the Lions, Falcons, Jets, Texans. Let's see, like none of those teams made the playoffs last year. So the Steelers very much right at the cut line after the Eagles at plus 4,000, then a huge drop to them and the Commanders when it comes to the Super Bowl futures odds. Regarding the Steelers draft odds, the playing position of the Steelers' first drafted player, offense minus 129, defense minus 106. I could see why offense is leaning a little bit more in that direction. I'd actually make the odds a little bit more stilted in that direction because I can see them going... Wide receiver, quarterback, or offensive line defense. I could pretty much just see it as safety or defensive lineman. The exact playing position of the Steelers first drafted QB plus 175 for quarterback. D back is plus 250. Defensive line plus 350. Offensive line 350. And wide receiver plus 500. Tight end, the deepest odds at plus 10,000. Running back at plus 10,000. Yeah, they're not going there. Uh, The first quarterback taken right now, Malik Willis, minus 190. Kenny Kenny Pickett at plus 125. Then Desmond Ritter at 1,500. Corral at 1,800. And Howell at plus 6,000. Yeah, Howell is basically just taking your money and lighting it on fire. Total quarterbacks in the first round, over 2.5, minus 278. Under 2.5, plus 205 i definitely go with the over there. I think there's at least three that go. Pickett, Willis, somebody else. Probably Corral, since there's a lot of split opinions on him. All right, when we come back, we'll talk about all these topics with Mark Madden. It is a Madden Monday here on the Bet Rivers Pittsburgh Citycast brought to you by Bet Rivers. Download the app today or go to Betrivers.com. BetRivers Sportsbook is offering new customers a deposit match up to $250 when you sign up today. In addition to their welcome bonus, BetRivers has daily and ongoing promotions that can provide extra value. Download the BetRivers app or go to BetRivers.com today to sign up. Presented by Rivers Casino Pittsburgh Must Be 21 Gambling Problem, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Madden Monday podcast brought to you by Bet Rivers. Download the app today or go to BetRivers.com. Tim Benz and Mark Madden from 1059 The X and Trip Live. Mark, we'll start right off with hockey and the news that goaltender Tristan Jari is week to week with what appears to be, according to various reports, a foot injury, uh, perhaps a broken foot. Uh, I don't know what you were thinking before this was announced by the Penguins when it came to Jari's injury, but my impression was uh, they were unlikely to win a first-round series as it was with Jari going in, and I'm all the more dubious now.
0: Well, first off, Tim, I don't do impressions. (laughs) Uh, Secondly, um, the complaining is they should have gone out and got a better backup goalie, and certainly they could have, and maybe they should have, but you know, how good would that goalie have been? You're not acquiring Patrick Juan as prime. You're getting somebody closer to Carter Hutton. So uh, I'm not sure who the citizens expected the Penguins to get as a backup. Uh, and, of course, the answer is Marc-Andre Fleury, who Minnesota got from Chicago for a second-round pick. But it, Jari wasn't hurt then. You, you know what I mean? It, you get Flurry in a deal like that instead of Raquel. Because you only have so many second round picks to trade, you get Flurry in a deal like that if Jari's already hurt. But if you would have got Jari, excuse me, gotten Flurry when Jari was healthy, mm-hmm. then that gets Jari looking over his shoulder. In fact, it probably displaces Jari as the number one goalie, which would have been a bit rough because you know he's been in the top ten in the significant goaltending categories all year. So people are going nuts because they could have got a better goalie. But again, as you implied, to what end? You know, they they were going to have a tough time winning a playoff series with Jari. Who are they going to get to win a playoff series in this place? I I just don't think this is anyone's fault. I just think the team's organically disintegrating. I think it's finally, uh, well, next year at this time, it'll be at the Chicago point where they're just not even a playoff team anymore. And I just don't get why people are angry or feel like Hextall let them down somehow. You know, the guy got hurt. What are you going to do? Guys get hurt all the time. The goalie got hurt. I mean... Get over it.
1: I saw you send out a tweet, Mark. I think worse the effect of. Well, now they have their excuse. Will that carry over into off season planning? Will that carry over into off season decisions like keeping Letang and Malkin?
0: I don't know, Tim, because I don't know what FSG is going to want. Fenway Sports Group. That's the one thing we've not talked about, and people act like it's just the same administration. And right now. On the surface, that's how it looks, you know, with the same personnel in charge is in terms, you know, President David Morehouse and Burke and Hextall and Hockey Ops and, you know, right down the line. But how many of those people are in charge at the beginning of next season, for me, remains to be seen. I think that FSG bought the team. We're always going to use this year just to kind of give it a look-see and then act after that. And I have... faith that Fenway Sports Group will straighten the Penguins out moving forward. I also am about 100% sure that a lot of people out there won't like how they do it.
1: I was looking at this postseason series, especially if it happens against the Rangers with the way Shesterkin has played against them, and I was thinking to myself, well, they're probably not going to win it, but I'd really like to see how Jari does this time around to see if he has put last year's playoff failures behind him, and at the very least, even if they lose it, they can cross that off a concern list and say, Hey, we've got a goaltender who's made the playoffs two years in a row, starting for us for a third year next year. And now we might not even get that.
0: Yeah. (laughs) I I, I don't think he's going to get a chance to prove himself in the playoffs this year or next year. If you get my drift. I do. Yes. (laughs) So, um, yeah, I guess it's tough luck on him. Uh, I'm not saying they couldn't win a playoff series with Casey to Smith, but, uh, I'd bet against it. Uh, You know, he's Kenny the kangaroo. You must be taller than. And boy, the playoffs sure are the big kids' rise, aren't they? By the way, Tim, I don't think Casey dismissed a bad goalie. I just think that he's a small goalie and too small. Uh, I think he's okay. You know, although I will say that loss in Boston on, on the Saturday, that was one of them deals where it proved, as I've said, you know, my whole life about goaltenders, that the great saves don't take the bad goals out the net because he made some great saves in that game. But I would say both those two goals in what the first 121 seconds were kind of shaky and, you know, they lost
1: two to one and the loss is a loss is a loss. And Casey Smith lost that game and take it from someone, Mark personally, who has had their battles with Kenny, the kangaroo and has not been tall enough to get on those rides many times in my life. Uh, there are just some things you can't do when you're that short. And there is that much net that is open to good scores where it's a good shot by the opposing player that he's just not going to get to because he's not big enough.
0: Yeah, and it doesn't happen that often. But it's just, it, it's a game of interest. I've always said they should make the nets an inch bigger height-wise and an inch bigger width-wise, right? Mm-hmm. To increase scoring. Because you couldn't tell by looking at the net if they did that, right? No, you couldn't. But think about it, Tim. Every shot that would hit the post is a goal then. And that's like a shot or two per game, correct? Yep. Well, Casey dismissed an inch too small. Figure it out.
1: Mark, I've greatly enjoyed listening to the podcast that Joe Magnello did about Sidney Crosby in the rookie season on which you are uh, prominently featured. Have you heard much of it yet?
0: Yeah, it's pretty good. I haven't heard all of it,
1: but it's pretty good. Yeah, it's very enjoyable, and uh, I'm just about to part now, a middle of the Ovechkin chapter. Were there any parts in particular you enjoyed reliving uh, when you were doing that feature?
0: Uh, I, I don't know. I mean, just his rookie season was, I mean, he was a relatively wide-eyed kid then, even though, you know, he'd been in the spotlight since he's like 13, correct? hmm And just kind of remembering what an innocent time it was. You know, just the, the restarting of, I don't want to say Penguins dynasty because that implies more cups than we've won, even with Mario and Sid, and it's impossible to do better. I think it's impossible to do better than the Penguins did with Sid, Gino, and latang that core during a salary cap era. But uh, but yeah, just, just, you know, knowing that that's where it launched, that was the big thing. Getting him and, and having an idea it was going to go real good, but wondering how good. And it certainly went real good.
1: We were so immersed in Crosby's arrival, Mark, that I kind of lost track of one thing he pointed out during the podcast, which was, boy, there's a lot of other stuff that happened that year. Coming out of the lockout, Ovechkin gets inserted into the league too. They changed coaches midseason. They had all those veterans on the team that they eventually shed themselves of, and the locker room changed dramatically. A lot did go on that first year for all of a sudden them to turn around and make the playoffs the next year to start this 16-year run.
0: Well, yeah, and it, you know it, it's worth noting that because of the lockout and because Ovechkin's entree got delayed by a year, that cost Sid Rookie of the Year.
1: Exactly, yes.
0: Because Sid would have won Rookie of the Year for sure had he and Ovechkin debuted in different years. And quite honestly, I thought Sid should have won it that year anyway. I thought he was the better player. But that was the start of a long tradition of screwing Sid when it came to things you vote on.
1: To that point, Mark, about the run of success since 07... Does the streak end this year at 16, do you think?
0: Oh, that's impossible to say, Tim, until you see what happens and doesn't happen in free agency. Who they retain, who leaves, who they get from outside. It's just impossible to predict. And, you know, like, again, I don't know the approach that Fenway Sports Group is going to take.
1: It was brought up when I was in for you on your show last week that one caller in particular kind of brought up, what do you do with Letang and Malkin? Do you keep them both or not? And my response was, well, if you don't keep both of them, especially if they were to lose in the first round, it's not all doom and gloom because that's a lot of money freed up that you can go out and get other players with to refurbish the team. Yeah, but it would take a while for that to set in.
0: And I, I going back to the Sit podcast, that first year when Sid came in they signed like you know Sergei Gonchar Ziggy Palfi. they spent some money in free agency but Gonch was a failure at the beginning people forget yeah. that until he until he settled in and became a great part of a Stanley Cup winner and Ziggy he went off to get married and never came back that <laughs> happens in real that happens in real life a lot Tim and on hockey all the time <laughs> so so you know it 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 really will be a brave new world but uh, you know there's other players besides Latang and Malkin and now there's a report Tim that that that, that, that Latang and Malkin feel that the offers made to them by the Penguins were insulting. Now, who knows if that's true or not. One, one thing I'm going to say, point blank, and anybody can repeat this, run with it. Uh, the agents for those guys talk a lot, especially Geno's agent. Uh, that's Pat Brisson and J.P. Barry. And J.P. Barry is in everyone's ear trying to get the Geno side of the story out there. So, you know, who knows what's true and what isn't. I do know it's skewed uh, to Evgeny Malkin in this particular instance. But uh, let's say those offers are real and those guys do feel insulted. I have some advice for them. If you're a pending free agent and the team you're on makes you an offer you find insulting, they're telling you they don't want you.
1: I don't know if they think that they they should expect more because it's new management and they don't understand their value. But based, especially on the way Malkin has played up and down, I don't think he should be expecting all that much more.
0: Team needs changed up, Tim. If it loses in the first round again, no matter if the goalie's available or not, the team needs changed up. And, um, you know, and one thing about Fenway Sports Group, I'm not sure they're going to listen to what the captain thinks very much.
1: Do they care about the captain's state of happiness?
0: I think they may go to Sidney Crosby. What can we do to, you know, make this good for you? I don't think they're going to say to Sidney Crosby, who should we keep?
1: What about this year's team, Mark? Back to them, aside from the goaltending, what are the biggest concerns that you see right now? Everything. Not a very good team. Mm -hmm. And it's getting worse as the playoffs approach. I tend to agree. I mean, I said this on the podcast last week. I said it a couple times this week on the air. I don't know if – I can't find another team in the East – that the rest of the East looks at and would rather play than them. I guess maybe Washington because of their goaltending, but Washington's playing better, largely than the Penguins have been. Well, yeah, the Penguins are are hitting the, the trifecta of doom.
0: Their goaltenders hurt, they're playing worse, and they're an older team. Nothing about the way things are going indicates they could rally and win a playoff series, although I don't think that's impossible either. Nor do I think it's impossible that Casey DeSmith wins a playoff series. I mean, I think he actually played pretty good at Boston, except for the two bad goals, which is a ridiculous statement.
1: Mark, let's get to football. Uh, The report coming out from Jerry Dulac, who said that the Steelers are very much fixing on trying to bring in at least one more veteran, even if they do draft or acquire in free agency a rookie at that position. That doesn't make a hell of a lot of sense to me, depending on which veteran it is. Some of the names he threw out, like, Cam Newton, Mike Glennon, uh, Ryan Fitzpatrick, Josh Rosen, A.J. McCarron. You know, uh, McCarron, I get, he could be a third guy. Rosen, I think they might see in him the same thing, the same notion that they saw in Dwayne Haskins. A guy who didn't make it with his first team, that has first-round talent. Squirrel him away as the third QB. Okay, but, I mean, it just feels like they're trying to throw numbers at the quarterback situation when... I don't think that's the answer.
0: No, they don't need another quarterback, especially if they draft a rookie. You know, like, even if you don't draft a rookie, you got got uh, Trubisky and Rudolph, and just get some schmucko at the last minute to be your number three. That's the way
1: I look at it, and I know... Yeah,
0: I mean, Fitzpatrick or Fitzgerald or Fitzmeister or whatever the frig that old bastard's name is,
1: I mean, he's not going to come cheap. That's the other thing. Even if it's not expensive, it's more expensive than what would have been the equivalent of Josh Dobbs. And I know it was just bad luck that they couldn't keep Dobbs because he happened to sign, coincidentally, the day before Dwayne Haskins was killed. They can't do anything about that, but they can get themselves another Josh Dobbs who managed to stay around here for like four or five years. And by the way, I can't believe Josh Dobbs even wants to be a
0: quarterback like a, a practice squad guy, a borderline guy for chump to change money when he could be a rocket scientist. More, more to the point, if he's married, I can't believe his wife or significant other would be into that either. Why are you fooling around with this football? <laughs> you could make a lot of money with that Stanford crap.
1: How about the uh, Baker Mayfield podcast video, Mark? What'd you? How did you interpret his reaction and the way that things have gone with the Browns from, from his point of view? Oh, I didn't
0: see that. What happened?
1: Oh, he was just sitting on the couch sort of bemoaning the fact that he's had four coaches in four years and a bunch of different coordinators and said he felt disrespected because they told him one thing and then did another, i.e. going out to get Deshaun Watson. And the whole time his dog is doing goofy things on the couch next to him and no one was really listening to him because the dog stole the show.
0: (laughs) I feel Baker Mayfield's been horribly hard done by, by the Browns. I think that he gave them stability to position for the first time that the franchise re-entered the NFL in 1999 and he played hurt last year and sacrificed for the team I I just think they screwed him that's not to say that I think Deshaun Watson's not a superior quarterback because I think certainly that potential's there but I I just I just don't get the whole scenario I think they should have stuck with Mayfield
1: what about him if he becomes available should the Steelers look at him
0: no let's not go crazy <laughs> no I, I mean like I, I think he's good but I I think he was better there than he'll be anywhere else. I think he kind of fit there.
1: Because he was naturally drafted by them and did things that nobody else had in the city for a long time. He
0: was their guy. He was their leader. I just think it should have stayed like it was.
1: Mark, the uh, Pirates are a game over five hundred. We should end the season right now, shouldn't we? I don't think we should have ever started the season. (laughs) I want to caution people. Let's remember they were twelve and eleven last year and lost over a hundred. So let's keep that perspective in mind.
0: Yeah, like like Chuck Tanner always said, you're going to win fifty four and lose fifty four. It's the other fifty four that make or break you. So you know, I mean, I mean, Tim, they literally win games. I look at the box score, and a guy hit a home run that I've
1: never heard of. There's a lot of that. There's a ton of that. Now they did keep. Brian Hayes, they signed him to that contract, eight years, $70 million. They avoided the arbitration thing with Reynolds. But, Mark, the analogy I keep using, and I'll use it again here on the podcast, is it's like the Seinfeld episode. It's not the taking of the reservation. It's the holding of the reservation. They can sign these guys, but let's also not act like there's part of them that's thinking, hey, you know what? If we fix a price point, maybe in a way that makes them more valuable in a trade, they could be thinking like that very much.
0: Now, here's another thing about Key Brian Hayes, too. He's making a lot more money than anybody else in the team, right?
1: Correct, yes. And
0: he's, he's younger than most guys in the team, correct?
1: Uh, yeah, not a ton because they have so many young guys. Those, those that are older, though, are roughly his age, are also journeymen that have bounced around from team to team. Well, yeah,
0: So, he, but he's, he's, he's by no means a KG veteran, correct? No, he's not, no. Now, on the road, is he expected to, like, take the gang out for dinner once per trip now? I don't know. I don't know how that works. And if he did that, would that be seen as condescending? Oh, look at the rich guy being a big deal.
1: <laughs> I guess he's in a no-win situation with his $70 million. I'd like to be in that no-win situation. I'd say to those guys, you suck. Go to McDonald's, A geeks. <laughs> That's another thing I learned from the podcast, is that they snuck Sidney Crosby out and into bars when he was 18. I had no idea they did such nefarious things to the Penguins. Yeah, I had a pretty good idea that happened, Tim. <laughs> Mark, uh, last thing, are you watching any of the USFL? No. I saw they got $3.5 million on their simulcast for the first viewing. Is that good? I don't know. I couldn't tell. I don't, I'm like, what's the comp there? That sounds pretty good. It is two networks, so you have to kind of consider that. But at the Well, same- and we shouldn't forget, too, that those spring football leagues,
0: they often start out with a big viewership, but it fades like crazy.
1: Yes, that's right. There's always a pop at the beginning and then a real, real, real decline in fast. Yes. You know, like when Vince McMahon had the original XFL? The first two weeks were great. Huge.
0: And then it just went straight to hell because the bottom line is it's not very good football, and people figured that out.
1: Uh, Mark, I have good news. I have caught all the way up and seen all the way through the end of Succession. I never saw the twist coming with the mother screwing the kids at the end.
0: Well, yeah, and um, and Tom screwing his wife. Right, exactly. By telling the mom. Yeah, right. So that was that was a genius finish,
1: especially when Tom and Greg came in and kind of, kind of, kind of slow played what happened. Now you also watching uh, the next episodes of uh, Better Call Saul? Debut. Oh, don't
0: give nothing away, Tim. Don't oh, give nothing away. I will say, though, I watched the last four episodes of Breaking Bad last night. Oh, during the marathon. Yeah, during the marathon. I happened to be home and watched the last four episodes, and uh, that is some of the best TV ever done.
1: It is. I really did love the ending. I love the beginning. I said this the other day to somebody that, for as much as I love that series, I don't rewatch it often. Very many episodes. Like, I've seen the first episode a couple times over. I've seen the last two a couple of times over, but... It's hard for me to reinvest watching a bunch in a row.
0: One one of my favorite uh, moments from the last episode, like I said, the last four episodes are are some of the best TV ever made. I mean, I mean that very sincerely. And uh, the moment when, although some of it's improbable, like the thing Walter rigged with the machine gun in the trunk of the car.
1: Yeah, that's kind of silly. Yeah, but it it worked. Yeah, and the last scene thereafter was great at the end too.
0: Oh, where, 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 where Todd's unhurt and he goes mr white what did and then Jesse's on him screaming with the chain around the neck yeah.
1: <laughs> and then walter white dying and hitting the uh, tank and the blood coming down with baby blue playing in the background oh terrible. that was great actually that's yeah.
0: that's fantastic Yeah, so uh but but uh, you know i think better call saul is uh in its own way just as good as breaking bad it, it, it it's a little bit i don't want to say slower pace cuz it doesn't drag but you know what i mean like it's very Breton
1: slow bad, yeah. Breaking Bad was a non-stop
0: bloodbath.
1: I don't know if there's a product that's gotten a bigger pop from one TV show than Stevia did from Breaking Bad. Stevia? Yeah. I like when he when he killed Lydia at the end. <laughs> yeah, I'd never
0: heard of it before. I put rice in that Stevia crap you always put in your tea. <laughs> All
1: right, so my thanks to Mark Madden. He will be with me along with Sean Casey, Phil Bork, and Mike Pursuto with Gene Steratore at the helm running points for the latest Great Pittsburgh Sports Debate. It'll be at Tequila Cowboy 730 on Tuesday night. So be there for that. Hey, it's an event so big, the last time we had it, we shut down the world for two years. Yeah, the next day, that's when they canceled the NBA. Tom Hanks was discovered to have coronavirus. Actually, I take it back. We found out about that stuff the minute we came off the stage that night. That's the kind of power we had. Why go on with life as we knew it after the great Pittsburgh sports debate. So we'll see how things go this time. Mark will be back with us next week. Tomorrow we'll talk hockey with Brian Metzer and continue to look at what the Penguins have in front of them. You know, one other thing that I didn't get into with Mark there that we did talk about on Madden Ben's Unfiltered, the passing of Mike Bossy, hockey legend, spent a lot of time, as I was filling in for Mark on Friday, talking about that very topic one of those guys who you respected but also lived in fear of. That's how I remember Bossy as a great player, a dynamic goal scorer, and somebody who, like, for instance, if the Penguins were winning 3-2 to two in the third against the Islanders and Bossy hadn't scored yet, I knew the score was really 3-3 three to three because eventually he was going to score. Kind of like if the Pirates are winning 3-2 to two in the sixth against the Cardinals, you know at best they're tied 3-3 because Pools hasn't homered yet, perhaps. Or if the Steelers were close to the Patriots but Gronkowski hadn't scored yet, eventually he was going to do so. That was Mike Bossy as an Islander against the Penguins back when I was a kid, and it was very sad to hear that he had passed away due to lung cancer last week. So thoughts and prayers from the hockey community going out at large to Bossy all weekend, and rightfully so. Uh, We will be back with you tomorrow here in the Pittsburgh CityCast brought to you by Bett Rivers.